Hello there, and welcome to episode 5 of What You May Have Miffed, an episode that serves as the halfway marker for this series. I know, halfway already. And for the first time this series, we are venturing out of Europe, although it is brief as we are heading back there next week. But today, we are on the other side of the world, and somewhere we have visited before. China. visited China a couple of times in the past, and once in the very first series all the way back at the beginning of 2021. And this tale, like that from a couple of years ago, includes an animal that can talk to people. Again, it seems to be a recurring theme of this series, animals with the ability to talk. I quite like the tales where animals can do this, as I'm convinced it's something that my cat is attempting to do. Remember that whilst you're listening to this, if you have any questions, then you can fire me a message on Instagram or TikTok, or drop me an email at themythspodcast at gmail.com. And I'm also going to do a shameless plug here and mention that my partner and I have collaborated on a calendar once again for next year, combining poems written by yours truly and exceptional artwork by Tess. It's an under-the-sea-themed calendar with each month having its own poem that corresponds to the animal. So head over to Tess's Instagram on at my doodles and daydreams, or message me at any of the above places if you'd like to peruse them and order one. Right, with that said, let's get stuck into the episode. The Silly Goose and the Tiger Forest When Hugh Lin was barely more than an infant, her father sold her into slavery, and for the last five years she had lived in misery on a houseboat with many other children who had suffered the same fate. As you can imagine, her master treated her very unpleasantly. He made her and all the other children go out onto the streets and beg for their living. Obviously, Hulin did not like this lifestyle. She found it hard and very scary, as I imagine any five-year-old would. She wanted to be playing in the fields, flying kites. She wanted to sit under a tree and watch the birds fly overhead. She sometimes managed to find a green space in the city where she could do just this, but a few times her master had caught her at it and beaten her savagely and refused her food for the rest of the day. The children had a name for this evil man, Blackheart. Then one morning, Hulin decided that she had no option but to make a run for it. Unfortunately, she made it no further than a few hundred feet when she was caught by her monstrous master, who beat her so brutally that she almost passed out. She lay in her room for a long time afterward, unable to move, and thinking to herself how wonderful it would be if someone just came and took her away from this evil man. Not that far away from where Blackheart lived and kept his slaves, there lived an old man in a small hut. There were no other humans with him, but he kept a goose that watched the gate for him and who honked loudly whenever anyone untoward approached. Hugh Lin and this goose were close friends, as she often stopped to chat with him whenever she was passing the old man's cottage. In this way, she had learned that the bird's owner was a miser who kept a great deal of money 
hidden in his yard. She knew this because Chang, the goose, had an unusually long neck and was thus able to pry into most of his master's affairs. As the goose had no family of his own, he told everything he knew to Hu Lin. On the very morning when Blackheart gave Hu Lin a beating for trying to run away, Chang made a startling discovery. Feeling hungry, Chang had slipped inside the house at dawn to see if any scraps had been left over from last evening's meal. The bedroom door had blown open in the night, and there lay a young man, sound asleep, instead of the grey-bearded old man who usually slept in the bed. Then, before his very eyes, the youth changed suddenly into his former shape and was an old man again. In his excitement, forgetting all about his empty stomach, the terror-stricken goose rushed into the yard to think over the mystery, but the longer he puzzled, the more strange it all seemed. Then his thoughts landed on Hu Lin and wished that she would come by, that he might ask her opinion. He had a high regard for the slave girl's wisdom and believed that she would understand fully what had taken place. Chang went to the gate. As usual, it was locked, and there was nothing for him to do but wait for his master to rise. Two hours later, the miser walked out into the yard. He seemed in good spirits and gave Chang more to eat than usual. After smoking his morning pipe on the street in front of the house, he strolled around it, leaving the front gate ajar. This was precisely what Chang had been expecting. Slipping quietly into the road, he turned towards the river where he could see the houseboats lined up at the wharf. On the sand nearby lay a shape he recognised. Hugh Lin, he called as he drew near. Wake up, I have something rather weird to tell you. I am not asleep, she answered, turning her tear-stained face towards her friend. Why, what's the matter? Have you been crying again? Has old Blackheart been beating you? Shh! He's taking a nap in the boat. Don't let him hear you. It's not likely he would understand goose talk if he did, replied Chang, smiling. However, I suppose it's always best to be on the safe side, so I'll whisper what I have to say. Putting his beak close to her ear, he told Hugh Lin of his recent discovery and ended by asking her to tell him what it all meant. The child forgot her own misery at hearing his weird yet wonderful story. "'Are you quite sure there was not some friend of the miser spending the night with him?' she asked. "'Yes, yes, perfectly sure. He doesn't have any friends,' replied the goose. "'Besides, I was in the house just before he looked up for the night, and I saw neither hair nor hide of any other person.' "'Then he must be a fairy in disguise,' announced Hugh Lin wisely. "'A fairy? What's a fairy?' questioned Chang, more and more excited. "'Fairy, you silly goose!' Don't you know what a fairy is? Hulin laughed. She had forgotten her own pain now, so amused she was by her goose friend's ignorance. A fairy is a being that can change its form into anything it likes, she told him in a hushed whisper. The goose nodded as she went on with her explanation, and when she had finished was speechless with amazement for a few moments. Well, he said finally, if my master is that kind of man, suppose you slip away quietly and come with me. If a fairy is what you say he is, he can save you from all your troubles and make you happy for the rest of your days. I wonder if I should, she answered, looking round fearfully towards the houseboat from the open cabin from which the sound of deep snoring could be heard. Yes, yes, of course you must, coaxed Chang. Think of what he has done to you. He beats you without reason and he won't be afraid to keep doing so. 
So, hurriedly, they went to the miser's cottage. Hulin's heart was beating fast as she tried to decide what to say when she was stood before the fairy. The gate was still partly open, and the two friends entered boldly. "'Come this way,' said Chang. "'He must be in the backyard digging in his garden.' But when they reached the vegetable patch, there was no one there to be seen. "'This is very strange,' whispered the goose. "'I don't understand. I have never known him to grow tired of work so early. Surely he cannot have gone in to rest.' Led by her friend, Hulin entered the house on tiptoe. The door of the miser's bedroom stood wide open, and they saw that there was no one either in that room or any other room of the miserable cottage. "'Come, let's see what kind of bed he sleeps on,' said Hulin, filled with curiosity. "'I have never been in a fairy's room. It must be different from other people's rooms.' "'Not really, just a plain brick bed like all the rest,' answered Chang as they crossed into the room. "'Does he have a fire in cold weather?' asked Hulin, stooping to examine the small firehole in the bricks. "'Oh, yes, a hot fire every night, and even in spring when other people have stopped having fires. The brick bed is hot every night.' "'Well, that's rather strange for a miser, don't you think?' said the girl. "'It costs more to keep a fire going than it does to feed a man.' "'Yes, that's true,' agreed Chang. "'I hadn't thought of that. It is rather strange.' Hulin, you're a wise child. Where did you learn so much? At that moment, the goose turned pale at hearing the gate slam loudly and the bar thrown into place. Good gracious, whatever shall we do? asked Hulin. What will he say if he finds us here? No telling, said the other, trembling. But, my dear little friend, we are certainly caught. We can't get away without him seeing us. I've already had one beating today. "'and such a hard one that I don't believe I could live through another,' "'sighed the child as the tears began to flow. "'There, there, little girl, don't worry. "'Let's hide in this dark corner behind the baskets,' "'suggested the goose, just as the master's steps were heard at the front door. "'Soon the frightened companions were crouching on the ground, trying to hide. "'Much to their relief, however, the miser didn't go into his bedroom, "'and they soon heard him hard at work in the garden.' All that day the two remained in their hiding place, afraid to show themselves outside the door. "'I can't imagine what he would say if he found out that his watch-goose had brought a stranger into the house,' said Chang. "'Perhaps he would think we were trying to steal some of the money he has hidden away?' she answered, laughing, for as Hulin became used to her cramped quarters she grew less frightened. At any rate, she was not nearly so afraid of the miser as she had thought she was. "'Besides,' she reflected. He can't be as bad as old Blackheart. So the day wore on, and darkness fell over the land. By this time the girl and Goose were fast asleep in one corner of the miser's room, and knew nothing more of what was happening. When the first light of a new day filtered through the paper-covered window above the miser's bed, Hulin woke with a start, and at first she could not think where she was. Chang was staring at her with wide-open, frightened eyes that seemed to be asking, "'What can it all mean? It is more than my goose-brain can think out!' For on the bed, instead of the miser, there lay a young man whose hair was as black as a raven's wing. A faint smile lightened up his handsome face, as if he was enjoying some delightful dream. A cry of wonder escaped Hugh Lin's lips before she could hold it back. The sleeper's eyes opened instantly, and were fixed upon her. The girl was so frightened that she could not move, 
and the goose trembled violently as he saw the change that had come over his master. The young man was even more surprised than his guests, and for an entire two minutes he was speechless. "'What does this mean?' he asked finally, looking at Chang. "'What are you doing in my bedroom? And who is this child who seems so frightened?' "'Forgive me, kind sir, but what have you done to my master?' asked the gander, answering with a question. "'Am I not your master, you mad creature?' said the man, laughing. "'You are more stupid than ever this morning.' "'My master was old and ugly, but you were young and handsome,' replied Chang in a tone of flattery. "'What?' shouted the other. "'You say I'm young?' "'Why, yes. Ask Yu Lin if you don't believe me.' The man turned towards the little girl. "'Yes, indeed you are, sir,' she replied in answer to his look. "'Never have I seen a man so handsome.' "'At last! At last!' he cried, laughing joyfully. I'm free, free, free from all my troubles. But how it has come about is more than I can say. For a few minutes he stood in a deep study, snapping his long fingers as if trying to solve some hard problem. At last a smile lit up his face. Chang, he asked, what was it you called your guest when you spoke of her a moment ago? I am Hu Lin, said the child simply. Hu Lin the slave girl. He clapped his hands. "'That's right! That's right!' he cried. "'I see it all now. It is as plain as day!' Then, noticing the look of wonder on her face, "'It is to you that I owe my freedom from a wicked fairy, and if you like, I'll tell you the story of my misfortune.' "'Oh, yes, please, kind sir,' she replied eagerly. "'I told Chang that you were a fairy, and I would like to know if I was right.' "'Well, you see,' he began, my father is a rich man who lives in a distant country. When I was a boy he gave me everything I wished. I was so humoured and petted from earliest childhood that at last I began to think there was nothing at all in the world I could not have for asking, and nothing that I must do if I wished to. My teacher often scolded me for having such notions. He told me there was a proverb, Men die for gain, birds perish to get food. He thought such men were very foolish. He told me that money would go a long way towards making a man happy, but he always ended by saying that the gods were more powerful than men. He said I must always be careful not to make the evil spirits angry. Sometimes I laughed in his face, telling him that I was rich and could buy the favour of the gods and fairies. The good man would shake his hand, saying, Take care, my boy, or you will be sorry for these rash speeches. One day, after he had been giving me a long lecture of this sort, we were walking in the garden of my father's compound. I was even more daring than usual, and I told him that I cared nothing for the rules other people followed. "'You say,' said I, "'that this well here in my father's yard is ruled by a spirit, and that if I were to anger him by jumping over it, he would be vexed and give me trouble.' "'Yes,' he said. "'That is exactly what I said, and I repeat it. Beware, young man, beware of idle boasting and breaking the law.' "'What do I care for a spirit that lives on my father's land?' I answered with a sneer. "'I don't believe there is a spirit in this well.' "'If there is, it is only another of my father's slaves,' I said. And before my tutor could stop me, I leapt across the mouth of the well. No sooner had I touched the ground than I felt a strange shrinking of my body. My strength left me in the twinkling of an eye, my bones shortened, my skin grew yellow and wrinkled.' I felt my ponytail and found that the hair had suddenly grown thin and white. 
In every way I had been changed completely into an old man. My teacher stared at me in amazement, and when I asked him what it all meant, my voice was shrill as that of early childhood. Alas, my dear pupil, he replied, now you will believe what I told you. The spirit of the well is angry at your wicked conduct and has punished you. You have been told a hundred times that it is wrong to leap over a well, yet you did this very thing. But there is nothing that can be done, I cried. Is there no way of restoring my lost youth? He looked at me sadly and shook his head. When my father learned of my sad condition, he was terribly upset. He did everything that he could to find some way for me to regain my youth. He had incense burned at a dozen temples, and he himself offered up prayers to various gods. I was his only son, and he could not be happy without me. At last, when everything else had been done, my worthy teacher thought of asking a fortune-teller who had become famous in the city. After inquiring about everything that led up to my sad plight, the wise man said that the spirit of the well, as a punishment, had changed me into a miser. He said that only when I was sleeping would I be in my natural state, and even then, if anyone chanced to enter my room or catch a glimpse of my face, I would at once be changed back into a greybeard. "'I saw you yesterday morning,' shouted Chang. "'You were young and handsome, and then before my very eyes you were changed back into an old man.' "'To continue my story,' said the young man, the fortune-teller at last announced that there was only one chance for my recovery, and that a very small one. If at any time, while I was in my rightful shape, that is, as you see me now, a mad goose should come in, leading a tiger forest out of slavery, the charm would be broken, and the evil spirit would no longer have control over me. When the fortune-teller's answer was brought to my father, he gave up hope, and so did I, for no one understood the meaning of such a senseless riddle. That night I left my native city, resolved not to disgrace my people any longer by living with them. I came to this place, bought this house with some money my father had given me, and at once began living the life of a miser. Nothing satisfied my greed for money. Everything must be turned into cash. For five years I have been storing away money, and at the same time starving myself body and soul. Soon after my arrival here, remembering the fortune-teller's riddle, I decided that I would keep a goose to serve as night watchman instead of a dog. In this way I made a start at working out the riddle. "'But I am not a mad goose,' hissed the goose angrily. "'If it had not been for me you would still be a wrinkled miser.' "'Quite right, dear Chang, quite right,' said the young man soothingly. "'You were not mad, so I gave you the name Chang, which means mad, and thus made a mad goose of you.' "'Oh, I see!' said Hu Lin and Chang together. How clever! So, you see, I had part of my cure here in my backyard all the time. But though I thought as hard as I could, I could think of no way of making sure that Chang should lead a tiger forest into my room while I was sleeping. The thing seemed absurd, and soon I gave up trying to study it out. Today, by accident, it really has come to pass. So I am the tiger forest, am I? laughed Hu Lin. Yes, indeed you are, my dear child, a pretty little tiger forest, for Hu means tiger, and Lin is surely good Chinese for a grove of trees. Then, too, you told me you were a slave girl. Hence, Chang led you out of slavery. Oh, I am so glad, said Hu Lin, forgetting her own poverty. So glad that you don't have to be a horrible old miser any longer. 
Just at that moment there was a loud and ferocious banging on the front gate. "'Who can be knocking like that?' asked the young man in astonishment. "'Oh, no! It must be Blackheart, my master!' said Hewlin, beginning to cry. "'Don't be frightened,' said the young man, soothingly stroking the child's head. "'You have saved me, and I shall certainly do as much for you. "'If this Mr. Blackheart doesn't agree to a fair proposal, "'he shall have a black eye and worse to remember his visit by.' It did not take long for the grateful young man to buy Hewlin's liberty, especially as he offered as much for her freedom as her master had expected to get when she was fourteen or fifteen years of age. He also decided that a fist into the centre of the face would also teach Blackheart a valuable lesson about the way he treated people he had power over. When Hewlin was told of the bargain and saw Blackheart stumbling away down the road clutching his nose, she was wild with delight. She bowed low before the man and then kneeled and touched her head nine times on the floor. Rising, she cried out, Oh, how happy I am, for now I shall be yours for ever and ever and ever, and good old Chang shall be my playmate. Yes, indeed, he assured her. I shall raise you as my own daughter, little tiger forest. And I shall never again have to beg for crusts on the street? She asked him, her eyes full of wonder. No, never he answered, and I promise you here and now, you need never fear another beating. Well, there we go. Hugh Lin received some form of revenge on Blackheart in the end, although I was rather hoping that he would end up a bit more dead than he did for being so evil. What did you make of this story from China? Remember, if you have any thoughts or questions, you can message me on Instagram and TikTok, or ping an email to themythspodcast at gmail.com. And remember to head over to My Doodles and Daydreams on Instagram if you would like to have a nosy or order a collaboration under the sea calendar for 2024. Right, I'm off to go and put the finishing touches to next week's episode where we are heading back to Europe. So you will hear me then in another episode of What You May Have Missed. Music